You've been through pre-Cana, maybe you've even said, I do, and now what? Welcome to After Cana, a podcast for young couples looking to make it until death do they part. In each episode, we'll share sage wisdom and practical advice from couples who've been married for 20 plus years. Um, my name is Gabby Quinlan, and today I have Annie and Adam Muller. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Good. Um, so... Annie and Adam, for the for our listeners, um, they actually did me and my husband's pre-Cana. So kind of fitting that they're here for after Cana now. Um, <laughs> and I, I just wanted to share with you all all their wisdom that they shared with us. So I'm really excited. Um, if you guys would just introduce yourselves a little bit and tell us your story, how you guys met and all that good stuff. Okay, sure. Go ahead. Um, so I'm Annie, and Adam and I met at the University of Dallas. Um, I went started there as I was 24. So I had waited to go to college, finally decided what I wanted to do, and ended up at UD as a Protestant. I very quickly converted, like within less than a year, and then met Adam probably that first year just as friends like we you know knew some of the same people and then um by my second year we started um hanging out a lot and we basically we were really good friends for a good two semesters one semester in particular we spent a lot of time together um annie was uh, an undergraduate an older undergraduate student yeah. and i was a grad student at yeah. the time. So we were the same age, Nice. but I was starting grad school and Annie was starting undergrad. Right. And I really sort of quickly realized that I needed to make older friends. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was in classes with all these 18 and 19 year olds. And, um, and so once I found out there was a grad school, I was like, okay, that's, I need to find those people. I, I started like crashing grad school mixers and just like showing up. But in fact, that um, was the very first time we met. Oh, that's true. Um, Annie was standing next to the keg at, at my, uh, one of my buddies' place. <laughs> that's your story. Was, uh, that's true she story. Remember meeting me? I remember well, I remember there. now, but for years when we told the story of how we met, I told the second time that we met. And then he finally gently corrected me several years later. Like, well, I actually met you at the Dupree's party. I was like, oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> uh, it's so funny what you each remember. We we all yeah. have like different, I don't know, different things stick out. That's so funny yes. though. Yes. Yeah. So how did you guys um, start dating and stuff? So after about a semester, so Adam uh, had a daughter from that he had had in high school and he had, he essentially had custody of her when we first met. And so when I met him, she, she came with him and I loved her. And I really, I, I say this to her all the time. Like I fell in love with her first. So she was just such a great little girl. She was about five and Adam was working at the writing lab. Yeah. And, um, there was a bunch of uh, unstable circumstances going on, you know, for her. for her. And so I had her move in with me full time. So, uh, okay. so yeah, it was basically a single father and I was living with my two roommates. He had two roommates. And, I, and they were amazing <laughs> about it. Yeah. 
So wow. I'll never forget we were we were standing outside one of the buildings. We smoked back then, so uh, we were smoking. <laughs> he just very <laughs> casually says, "Well, you know, I'm going to have full custody of Rihanna, and she's going to live with me." And and I so I immediately was like, well, "What are you going to do about childcare? You know, for your job?" And he hadn't thought, you know, he hadn't figured that out yet. It's like literally the day or yeah. two. Yeah. So I just said, "Well, I'll I'll take care of her. I don't work at night, and that's no problem. I love her. She's great. You know, that'll be easy." So, and I didn't want to charge him or anything. I knew couldn't didn't have money. So I was just like, she can just come to my apartment. And so she did. So that's how it started. And then I would make dinner for them okay. and they come out before and then he'd come to pick her up and she'd be asleep and we'd just talk and have a beer and, you know, talk about literature. So, yeah, so we really were just very good friends and it wasn't, we were not thinking about dating at the beginning. Uh, so, but then how did we start dating? Well, that, you tell that because yeah. I'd like to hear your version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. um, well, I mean, so we, we started to grow uh, very close as friends, obviously. And uh, uh, I think at, at some point, oh, it was over a Christmas break. It was break. Christmas break. Yeah. So um, I was going back home to visit my parents who had moved from Texas to Michigan. And uh, so I, I was just going there for you know, those two weeks between semesters or whatever. And, um, uh, but we stayed in touch over those two weeks and I, I bought her a Christmas present. It was a, uh, an original edition of John Keats's poetry. We both, so we both did John Keats for our junior yeah. poet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. sweet. Oh, I love it. That's a very well, so good gift. Well, you say we kept it close. He started writing me these very romantic emails and letters in those two weeks. Romantic. Like they were romantic. Yeah. They were. I still uh -huh. have them if we want. <laughs> no, anyway, remember, yeah. it was. It was kind of like all of a sudden something shifted, and I remember before you left, you were like, "Can I? You know, can we stay in touch while I'm in Michigan?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course." So by that point, I had realized, like, "Oh, I think I really like this guy, and mm -hmm. I don't want to just be his friend anymore." But then I was all insecure that you know I was like maybe he didn't like me anyway. So that over that break, he emailed me like every single day. He sent me handwritten letters. He sent me a gift. And then nice. I picked him up at the airport <laughs> and it was like, we just were together. That was it. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, uh, it was very natural. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, so, I don't know if we're getting too far off track. But, uh, <laughs> no, for me, no, this is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, I think, you know, we were going to talk about this, but um but, you know, for me, having Rihanna, uh, you know, this six-year-old girl, like I, you know, there was no such thing as casual dating right. for me at that point, you know, like, yeah. I mean, ever since mm -hmm. high school. So, uh, so, you know, I didn't, you know, I'd always been cautious, you know, I, I didn't, I wanted to be prudent and all he that. He was not stuff. a flirt. Let's just say that. I had, I didn't ever want <laughs> to eat anyone on, you know, because there was just all this extra like pressure. Yeah. I wasn't going to. Yeah. No, know, not a flirt. Until I was like, Serious. Serious, and I didn't want to, uh, you know, because that's a big deal. I mean, it's, yeah. you know. Oh, very, yeah. I didn't want to, you know, ruin our friendship. So, yeah. um, so I don't know. I think probably during those two weeks, it was helpful for me to, you know, just think and, Have this and little just distance. remember how beautiful she was. And, <laughs> and kind of well, so then he got back, and then Rihanna, his, you know, she went with us on our first date. We, we, oh, that's true. Because, you know, she, yeah. we didn't have a sitter. I was a sitter. That's no, anyway, so 
she went with us on, on the, our first few dates, but definitely our first one. And um, yeah, and then that was that was kind of that. So then we we dated for about not ten months, ten or eleven months. It was eleven. It was eleven. Months. I'm sorry. Yeah. Eleven. I was very anxious to get engaged. <laughs> and then we <laughs> got engaged. So we dated, you know, January to December we dated, and then we got engaged in December right before we broke for another semester. And then we got married in August. And it was okay. I we both finished up. I finished up my bachelor's in May and Adam finished up his coursework and his comps for his PhD. So we were both sort of done, you know, done with campus and in May and then we got married in August. Wow, that's so awesome. Oh my gosh. That's really sweet. I love I love that it all started kind of like I don't know, as friends and even even you babysitting around Annie. That's so sweet. Like that's just such a wholesome way to start a relationship, I think. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um so the first year of marriage, I know people are really scared of of that and i'm like i'm nearing the end of my first year of marriage and i can honestly say it's been really great but um i'm curious if you guys remember any particular things that stick out from your first year any fights that that really you know got your goat or (laughs) um just the highs and lows of that yeah uh, I go first. It was fantastic. <laughs> My wife's sitting right here. No, I'm just. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, actually, two things come to mind. Um, one of them is uh, uh, I remember at first dealing with Rihanna's, uh, you know, just having this new family and the reality of you know Rihanna's mom and all this other stuff going on. That was that was very difficult uh, for us, but it wasn't. Um, it was difficult, but it wasn't about us. It, I mean, wasn't, it wasn't really a burden on our relationship. We didn't fight about it. It was just mm-hmm. a lot to think through and to deal with, you know, as a as a young couple. Um, so Annie was really great about that. Um, the other the other thing I remember, and this is sillier for sure, is I remember having a second tube of toothpaste in the uh. bathroom. That happened pretty quick. That was a survival technique that he picked up on real fast. Yeah. So uh, so there were those little things like yeah. I'm messier than him. And I didn't yeah. know that I was driving him to the point of insanity with the way I was squeezing the toothpaste. Just dumb things like I'm that. the same as you. I squeeze I it. squeeze it. But he's yeah. like meticulously rolling, you know. And I also am <laughs> not good about like cleaning the top. So it's like gunky mm-hmm. and like there's two types of people it's it's yeah. one or the other i swear yeah. matthew's so, the roller as well so yeah so he realized and then he's so sweet that he got an extra tube and he didn't even tell me like he didn't want to hurt my feelings i, I got it from the dentist it and he's just like oh this will solve that problem and i was like i can put this in the medicine cabinet because i always put my stuff away you know this is like a temperament and how you deal with stuff you know but, oh uh, yeah that actually is helpful i yeah. just yeah, I do not put things away very well. And I wouldn't say I'm like, I'm not dirty, but I I have a system and it's called throw everything on the floor and then pick it all up one day a week. 
lay it nicely on <laughs> and then the toothpaste system i haven't heard you just well one, but actually just squeeze it well but i don't i will say i don't this whole like this thing on top <laughs> and then you're trying to get the more toothpaste out well, jammed in there yeah okay. I, I will yeah. say i don't do that anymore i think i've shown yeah. you and i'll show you again i i've been converted to a different way of toothpasting we still have two tubes, though. We do, because we have mm. separate sinks, which is also a real marriage saver. Yeah. Like, have your own <laughs> sink if you can. I mean, yeah. sometimes you can't because you're in an apartment or something. It but took us 12 years. To, to get it. That's true. That's true. Um, anyway. Sorry. I'm, I, <laughs> so, oh, we're no, but really, the first year, I, I felt like it was, all in all, it was excellent. It was delightful and full. You know, we were just so... It's just so awesome yeah. to be done dating, <laughs> and oh, you yeah. know it's just really? a blessing to yeah. not say goodnight anymore and to just wake up together and go to bed together and and the sex helps too. But you know, there's just so many things about <laughs> that that are so delightful when you've been anticipating. And and I I felt like a lot of it was just better than I expected. You know, it's just like, oh, we really do enjoy each other. This is lovely. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, there were hardships of life. And I, I was pregnant within the first two weeks. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, then I was really sick and we had job issues. There were a lot of like difficult circumstances that first year. Um, but our marriage was um, such a blessing admits, you know, all of that. So it wasn't it, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was, it was a good year. Uh, it was, yeah, it was very. Um, we were super broke, so that was hard. Yeah, which you know, next time's probably. I feel all that. Yeah, yeah right. So I'm sure. Good. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So when we first got married, Annie had a job at a bank, and uh, she was able to pay all of our bills on that. So I was just writing my dissertation. You know, so the plan was get the whole thing done in a year, and then I would hopefully be a professor somewhere, you know, uh, for the following spring. But yeah, then she got her, you know, well, then I, excuse me, I was pregnant. And then at five months I had a complication and I had to go on bed rest. Yeah. So then the whole plan blew oh. up, you know, about four months early. And, um, so I had to find a job, so you know, and, uh, he was, we were working, he was working, you were tutoring. Yeah, I was doing some odd jobs. But I not, mean, it wasn't enough to replace the salary. I was losing plus. Yeah. We had to go on Cobra, you know, so we could oh, have yeah. the baby with this doctor, you mm -hmm. know, all that stuff. So that was a little stressful. Anyhow, yeah, I mean, there, there were a lot of stressors, um, you know, but I, I think somehow for us, you know, like she was never resentful. Um, you know, like resentment never really built up between us. We just mm -hmm. like, both kind of sit there, you know, be like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do? Thank like, God we have each other yeah. in our faith. Yeah. We said that a lot, you know? Yeah. And we had, you know, uh, yeah. a community, community to like her family and friends. So it was never, uh, even though the circumstances were very hard, like her being on bed rest and me not having a job, like, I mean, just saying this out loud. Yeah. You realize <laughs> it could have been catastrophic for a relationship. Oh, but, sure. um, but I don't know. I mean, we never, there was never a thought in our minds like, you know, this was a mistake. This was a mistake. Or anything like or, that. Yeah, uh, nothing like that. And our house yeah. was really small. I mean, it was, we didn't have a dishwasher when we first got married. Oh, that's true. That, that could break a marriage, but yeah. it didn't break us. <laughs> 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 he did. That's <laughs> <very> <laughs> <good>. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you beat the dish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Love it. Anyhow. Oh my gosh. Um, do, you, um, do you think that was because of your temperaments or, or was it like a conscious effort? Like we're not going to let this tear us apart. We're, mm. you know, we're not going to let resentment build up. Like, was it something you had to work at or was it kind of natural for you guys? That is such a good question. I actually wonder about this often with our marriage because we do have what appears to be a very easy time. Like, you know, I have friends, obviously we've been married more than 20 years. So I have friends who, you know, Tell, talk about like the fights they have with their spouses. And I, I just can't relate on any level. Like we, we've never had a screaming match. We've never, uh, you know, never thrown anything in his head. <laughs> you know, I do sometimes wonder, is it more temperament or is it more um, will, you know, just willing to, to respect one another in such a way that these things don't come up. And, and I really think it's just a combination. I mean. Yeah, I mean, at first, I mean, what we did argue and right. like, we disagreed about stuff. I mean, especially in, that, in those first few years. That, yeah. Uh, but, but we would never like scream at each other or. No, I mean, but you know, there were times I remember where I just needed to. Where we would just stop talking. That's yeah, like true. I just needed to process something. I'm very analytical in my temperament. So, yeah. Uh, but she, I mean, to Annie's credit, mm -hmm. I mean, she always wants to talk things out in the moment, right? And that's like the opposite of how I process things. Right. So, so we did have to learn that. I mean, there are definitely, and as far as the resentment piece, I think that was very conscious. Like, we're in this together and all these mm -hmm. things that life is throwing us or the Lord is asking us to walk through, we're, it's going to be for the better of our marriage, not the worse. So, uh you know, we were not, I think we were very consciously selfless whenever possible of like, and I, and they're definitely, I mean, I, there were like even figuring that out about one another yeah. that I, I tend to want to discuss it in the moment and know what I feel and what I think. And, and Adam needs time. And I had to learn to just say, okay, take that time. I'm not taking it personally. And we're going to come back to this. And so these are the things I feel like we need to figure out. Let's you take the time you need and, and respect that he needed the time. It wasn't anything to do with me. You know, it wasn't like a personal thing. It was just the way his mind works. And so. I just had one other thought about all this. Um, so the other thing going on in that first year that we, we've already, we kind of forget, I think the significance of it oh. was that Alexander, you were pregnant with Alexander. Yeah. And so that was basically the honeymoon. We came <laughs> back and there was a you know, baby on the way. So, um, I mean, and I, I, you know, it's all of a sudden trying me in a new way is just tonight as we're talking about it, but it's like, there was already all this momentum going towards our family. You know, like mm -hmm. this, this is like, we're having a baby together. You know, we loved each other and all that, but, it was, it was like, there was never a question of like, well, you know, I, I mean, maybe we just need to stay apart. For, I mean, there's not, nothing ever like that. Like there were hardships, but there was a baby on the way. And, yeah. um, and we had a six-year-old. We had I mean, a six-year-old already or seven. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was like, and even that, I think a lot of people would 
probably say it's hard to have a baby their first year. I don't know. I mean, you could chime in on that, but it's, yeah. but it's also a yeah. blessing, right? Like, yeah. I mean, for your relationship, yeah. it's you know, totally just solidifies your, uh, you know, your relationship as husband and wife. And then cause you're becoming a mother and father together. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Um, so maybe yeah, that, really. yeah, maybe that had more to do with it than. Well, I know. I mean, in retrospect, I, I think it's better. It, I would have rather been, you know, poor and struggling and dealing with stressors and having a baby and having a six year old and allowing that to, you know, bring us together than to be like bringing two incomes in living really comfortably I, I do think there's something about suffering you know it just it's so sanctifying and yeah. and when you're when you're suffering certain things together then it really it's like trial by fire but it's it's good yeah. and neither of us yeah i mean we it eliminated a bunch of those questions of like well who's going to stay home and child i mean like i'm imagining there are probably a lot of dual income couples you know who maybe listening to this I yeah. guess but um I mean those are real difficult questions uh to answer right like hey we both have jobs and we both have career paths already now we're gonna have a baby you know mm -hmm. and like work about the justice and all that would be very difficult and uh, resentment could easily I think enter into those conversations yeah. and um uh but I mean we never had any money <laughs> or really any job we didn't have careers either <laughs> so we just started having a family like Mathematically, be probably uh, we're probably least prepared to have a family. We, yeah, but, mathematically. Uh, yeah, but um, but no, I mean, same here. Uh, yeah, we, we completely get it. It's so grounding, though, and um, yes, yeah, something that always it cracks me up looking back. Um, but so Matthew and I went on our honeymoon about a month after our wedding because I had to finish school. Um, yeah. So I. Got, we got back from our wedding. I took my finals. We went on our honeymoon. And on our honeymoon, it was so fun. Um, but one night, he just, like, turns to me and he's like, do you feel like something's missing? Like, should we have a baby? That's nice. <laughs> I turns love it. Out, it turns out I was already pregnant. I didn't know it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it. it was It's so funny because, yeah, I – you know, we probably weren't financially, you know, ready, quote unquote, yeah. but nobody ever is. And not really. She's, the no. she's just the greatest blessing, like, of course, in the yes. world. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm totally with you, like struggling together, maybe, maybe experiencing some unexpected things is like, yeah, sanctifying and so, so good for your relationship early on. Um, so kind of moving, I guess, more in that direction, what would you say is like one of the most difficult things you guys have had to work through in your marriage so far? Well, I think you're migraines. Yeah. So I have this, I have really chronic debilitating migraines and I've had them <sighs> essentially my whole life since I was 14. So, um, and you know, I've been to myriad of physicians and specialists and or whatever, every kind of doctor. And um, when I started having kids, something got worse. I mean, I, even through college, like one of the reasons I didn't go to college till I was 24 is because 
I, I could be down for five days at a time with a migraine. And so you're missing class. And, you know, there were a lot of factors. So I had amazing professors who were super supportive. And when I missed class, they didn't dock me and let me make up the work and all that. Anyway, so it wasn't a new problem, but it did seem to be ex exacerbated by pregnancy and postpartum in particular. And so after my first baby, you know, it was, wasn't great, but we were kind of, you know, muddling through, I guess after hours, it wasn't all that bad. It was like your typical two or three days a week after our second. So 16 months later, we had another baby. And um, when he was about four months old, I ended up with this completely intractable migraine that just laid me out. And I was in bed for 15 months. So, you know, we had a brand new baby. I mean, a four month old baby and a 20 month old baby. And um, Adam was working in like mortgages and. By that time I was teaching. Oh, that's true. By that time. So yeah, he was teaching. Anyway, that was tremendously difficult because I was in and out of the hospital. I'd be in the hospital for, I guess the longest stretch was like 11 days. Um, my mother lived about an hour and a half away, two hours away. Eventually she just took the boys to live with her because wow. Adam, well, I went eventually. I didn't go at first. Mm, yeah. So it was horrible. It was so hard. And, you know, I had to like wean immediately, like, cause I got hospitalized mm -hmm. and they were like, you can't breastfeed on all this medication. So that was immediate. And then, um, you know, first we just thought it'll just be while I'm in the hospital. But then when I got out of the hospital, they hadn't been able to break the migraine. And so I was essentially just half comatose on medication to keep me from writhing in pain. It was keep out of the emergency and to keep me out of the emergency room right. because I just would just go back. And so, um, and so poor, Adam. it was yeah, so hard. It was really hard. So then we didn't have the boys. Then eventually I just couldn't handle being away from the boys. So then I moved down with my mom and Adam would come on the weekends and that was worse. I was like, I can't. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. And that actually was when I realized, I mean, we've always had this kind of motto that, our marriage comes before our kids and we knew we wanted to prioritize this relationship. And that of course that outpouring is what supports your family and not to mean that we would ever ignore the children, but you know, the first priority is our marriage. And that experience really did for me solidify, like I miss my kids with an ache. I could not describe, but not seeing my husband every day was just so non-negotiable. I was like, this is not <laughs> working, you know? So the Lord did a lot in those circumstances and we ended up, I ended up being able to move back and we had somebody who came every day and took care of them at the house um, for free so that I could, you know, be near yeah, them. I guess. Um, but then Adam, I mean, was bearing all the weight of like, is Annie ever going to get out of bed? And, you know, we've got these two little boys, he's making no money. We've got medical bills crippling us. And as a teacher, yeah, you know, I was making, well, he was making, yeah, he was a teacher, yeah, 18 years ago. So yeah. imagine, anyway. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Brother, yeah. So I will say, in those, in that season, I realized that I had a bunch of like, I had not 
dealt with my own abandonment issues entirely. And so my father left when I was, again, when I was about 10, died about four years later. And I was raised by this amazing single mother. And I think I had just, I realized when I got really sick that I was just waiting for Adam to leave. Like I, I just kept thinking, well, this is it. You know, why on earth would he stay for this? And we were going to have this big family. And now I don't know if I'm ever getting out of bed and nobody can fix it. And people think I'm crazy. And, you know, it's just like all the factors. And, and then you could tell your part of like, Oh, well, I never said that to him. I never said I thought he was going to leave, but I vividly remember lying in bed thinking, well, this is it. My mom's going to have to move in, you know, because he's going to, he's going to leave and I can't blame them, which is so stupid because knowing Adam, he never would like, yeah. And I remember that you're being like, who, look at who you're married to. Like you did not marry your father. <laughs> yeah. But I also just felt, it just felt so impossible that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, on my end, it was, um, you know, I remember it started on a Super Bowl Sunday. It was Super Bowl Sunday. Fact, we were watching the Super Bowl at her brother's house. And, uh, and yeah, I could tell she was getting migraine. And I was like, oh, well, we should go. go. So we got the two babies or the two yeah. kids and, and went home. And usually her migraines, a uh, bad one lasts three days, maybe yeah. and four maybe days. Four. And then she would like get up and kind of be in the post migraine fog, you know, for a day. But I just kept waiting for that to happen. And then it was a week and then we went to the hospital and then it was two weeks and three weeks. We went to the hospital again. And it just, um, you know, so then it's like, oh my gosh, do we, I guess, are there specialists in this? And so we get on the waiting list, specialist six months, you know, and it's just, it, you know, every there was no solution, and it was just so disheartening because I couldn't do anything other than take care of the boys. You know, and um, yeah, I mean, it was just I. They would go either with my mother-in-law or some friends of ours for the day. I would go teach, come home, or pick them up, come home, dinner, bath, and bed, and like every day, Saturdays, Sundays. Wow. Yeah, it was just single yeah. batting it big time. And there was um, the hard, the hardest part was actually just the like kind of infinite horizon of the whole thing like it and she was just laying in bed and there was there was no end like it was it just felt like uh groundhog in a sense or something yeah. just like um it was it was really hard and i mean i was praying novenas you know going to mass i mean just everything i could possibly do and oh yeah i had like anointing of the sick a half a dozen yeah, times and just oh, gosh wow yeah it's water basically yeah. you know it was like the whole community i mean everybody was yeah, I mean, it's relics you know yeah all around the world it's really beautiful it was. but it was just really uh it was endless and it was really you know it's it was very difficult and like she said a lot of people started to think that maybe she was faking her migraines because there was no visible sign you know it's like she had this yeah. anyhow there's just all kinds of was, uh, a lot, a of, lot our of friends left. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah it was really and uh anyhow so i i'm you know I, I told this to annie a few years ago but i just remember uh you know one day i was doing the dishes again again you know, <laughs> I like, like, yeah i mean this is like you know six seven months in probably. or more it's, okay. it's more like 11 or 12 months in you know? mm. and uh and i was just so frustrated it's like I, I was exhausted and i finally got the boys to bed and like annie was already in bed obviously and uh and i like watching the kitchen it was just 
a mess. Yeah, I was like, oh, our stupid little tiny kitchen in our <laughs> tiny house. And then can't get any, you know, so I just had this whole moment, you know, this whole Resentment. Uh, interior uh, uh, moment of anger, you know. And so I'm doing the dishes and we don't even have real dishwasher and like, like fine. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I did. I like kind of pled to the Lord. I was just like, you know, what am I supposed to do? Like, this is just too much. Too much. You know, it's like, there's nothing, you know, I was just so angry. And, uh, and then clear as day, it's almost like he was standing right beside me. He goes, well, you can leave. And, you know, I was just like frozen. Whoa. Thinking, right? I know, it gives me chilled every time. I'm just going to chill. Oh my gosh, that's like, wild. Well, well, hold on. Uh, yeah, no, like that, I'm not going to leave. Like I was kind of hoping that he would take care of everything, right? <laughs> And um, so when I got that message, like, uh, I was just like, oh, my gosh, no, no, no. I'm never going to leave. Like, yeah. that's not at all what was on my mind. And so I just said, I'm going to finish the dishes and I'll just, you know, trust that this is all going to work out somehow, you know. And uh, anyhow, but that was extremely like sobering. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, so, yeah, but after that, I don't know, I guess it was four or five months she started to come out of it yeah uh, we did lose a pregnancy i think we lost a baby yeah well that was the other thing is we were so we wanted a large family and you know when the boys came 16 months apart that was a little like okay well that's pretty fast but it was fine and then uh and then i got so sick so then there was you know that whole like a whole year where i just thought i don't know if i'm ever gonna have another baby and that made me really sad and um of course we were we were being super careful to not get pregnant. We we did have sex that year. People probably think they must not have because, but I still was like the least I can do is make sure this man has sex sometime. <laughs> it's a poor man. <laughs> so, um, so, but we we were not yeah. expecting to, and I did. And something about that pregnancy triggered a re- re- like a relief. And so, with the hormones that came with that baby. Um, I, I started coming out of it and wow. then we thought, Oh, praise God, it's the baby. And then I lost the baby, um, oh. which isn't a surprise because I had, I was on so many medications and narcotics and all kinds of things and weaning off of those, trying to get, you know, back to normal. And I think my, you know, my system was just so stressed. So we lost that baby. Um, but then it, I didn't end up back in bed. Like then I ended up back to kind of the older way, which was, you know, migraine attacks regularly, but not intractably like that. Um, and, and, you know, it really shifted our perspective, I think on family too, because, you know, we knew we wanted a large family, but then when all of a sudden you feel like, oh my goodness, what if we just have three kids? We, you know, which was, we, anyway, we, we were never, we were always very open after that just like the Lord's going to do what he's going to do. And and we did have six kids in eight years, even with that year in the hospital. <laughs> Look yeah, at you did. guys. You're amazing. <laughs> so uh, it all, you know, but it's funny, like when you were saying, you know, we're not ready, we don't have the money. That's one thing I was always so grateful for with Adam is that money was never a reason in his mind for us to abstain or to avoid having a baby. And, and it wasn't just because he didn't want to abstain. Like it was genuinely just like, well, no, you know, every, 
like his dad has a saying, I guess it is Spanish or Russian or every baby comes with a loaf of bread under their arm. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> like a little that. Russian yeah. thing or something. Spanish proper. Spanish. But just the idea. And that was so that has was so true that the Lord just always continued to provide. And there there wasn't an abundance necessarily, but there was always enough. And no one was hungry and no one was unclothed. And, you know, the Lord just always found a way to meet the needs. And then when we would feel like, oh my goodness, how are we going to do, do another baby? You know, it would, it would come together and we would find the strength and the peace. And it wasn't, you know, kind of a lot of side jobs and things like that. Yeah. And I mean, it is Adam working and he always worked so hard so I could stay home because between my health, and once you have more than like three kids, it doesn't make, you can't have, you can't pay for help anyway. <laughs> it doesn't, make any, you know, no, it doesn't get up. Right. So he did work a lot of side jobs and night jobs and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so that was definitely a oh, long answer a hard, to the hardest yeah. time. <laughs> oh my gosh, hard. but really helpful though. Cause I mean, yeah. I had no idea and also, I think a lot of people deal with migraines or like issues that you can't necessarily see. And it's really taxing and difficult. And I think that that's so beautiful that, I mean, the Lord literally spoke to you and and brought yeah. you through that time. Yeah. That yeah. is. The way I was explaining it. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's how I know it was um, him, not me. Because that's how your mind was saying <laughs> at all, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there have been, I continue to struggle with them and I have, I've had other long bouts, eight months, nine months where it was similar. Um, and, but it was kind of like, I, well, especially Adam, he just kind of gets right back into, okay, I'm doing all the things and then you don't have to. And, and now that our children aren't little, well, and now that I, I can't have any more children, I have a few more options available to me as far as treatment and medication. And we found like a good balance. But I mean, I still, what, last week I was down four days. So it's still it's more than we want. But yeah. yeah. Um, Just anyway. learning how to work with it, live with it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that is so tough. But I'm like, I mean, you're such a blessing to each other. Like when you're down, Adam's got you and I'm sure vice versa in so many ways. So that's really, really cool. Um, so one thing I did want to ask you guys, I know we're kind of going long, but you have so much awesome stuff to say. Um, I was wondering why or how you guys knew that you wanted to start doing pre-cana. And, you know, what kind of sparked that for you guys? Well, we actually, we did um, like an engaged encounter as part of our marriage prep. And it was actually a pretty frustrating weekend because we were the only couple not cohabitating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and That's maybe one other. Yeah. We wouldn't admit. Yeah. And um, this is in the Diocese of Fort Worth. We were in Fort Worth. And anyway, but there were couples, like three or four couples that um, were there, you know, giving talks and 
presenting sponsored couples. Yeah. So it wasn't quite like what we do, like what we did with y'all, but it's similar and that they were kind of giving their story. And then, then, then they were, they broke it down similar to the focus, like what we do with couples now, where it's like, okay, these are the things you need to be sure you're talking about, about money and about family of origin. And there was one couple in particular, and I wish I could remember their names. I don't, but they just really struck us as, as inspiring and helpful. We spent some time just talking to them over one of the meals and, um, and I don't know, I remember there thinking like, we could do that. We, we should do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, but you, so you have to be married five years to start. And so once we got to five years, I guess I just asked you, do you, do you think you'd be willing or should we look into it? And I, uh, well, yeah. And then the other, uh, the other oh, consideration the was the tithing piece. So, yeah. uh, you know, we were first married and we always wanted to tithe to the church. And, uh, but, you know, it's like after that year, it's like, well, you know, I mean, I'm not going to brag, but I did make hundreds and hundreds of dollars <laughs> that year. So it was <laughs> difficult. <laughs> well, so yeah, we would tie like $5 here, $20 there. And we tried, but it was very, you know, like it didn't anyhow. Um, but then I think it was your spiritual director uh, yeah. that said, money isn't the only way you can tithe. You can also tithe of your time. And, uh, you know, that was, since we didn't have any money, that was the obvious place for us to do it. It was still, you know, it was still a cost something. It is. A, I mean, it is a tithe. I mean, it is, um, you know, you, the scheduling and the time and all those things. And anyway, so I, I knew the campus minister at UD very well because she had been there when I converted and we'd stayed in touch and still had dinner and stuff. And so I just asked her, could we prepare couples from UD? Because I did think I was a little nervous about just preparing like the broader culture of couples that come to a Catholic church and say they want to get married. And um, of course we love UD. And at that time UD was our church, our parish. I mean, it's not a parish, but it was where we went to church. And so mm -hmm. uh, it just was like a natural fit. So yeah, so we did the training and then, yeah, we're going on year 16 now. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah. That's so, so awesome. And I then think, it's so funny. Yeah. There's a group, like there's a group of couples in the area who we prepare for UD and the new deacon who's so wonderful um, is, has taken over that marriage and family piece. And he, so he's gotten us together a couple times just to visit and get to know each other. And one of the couples that's now preparing couples is a couple we prepared 10 years ago. <laughs> that is so cool. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. You guys, you prepared them so well yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Oh, yeah. awesome. well, the lord did it but yeah, yeah no it is they're and they're so funny right. they're always like well we're not any but you know <laughs> i mean you guys are pretty great you were like the perfect <laughs> couple to have like i i was not yeah. expecting to get much out of marriage prep yeah. because so many people had told me you know our marriage prep is not that great it's so right. bland it doesn't go very deep but like I really appreciated how you guys were always so genuine and I don't know, just really practical, honest. That helped us so much. So, oh, so thank glad. you for, for your ministry. It's really like, it's really helping the church, especially UD. I mean, 
it's a great yeah. community already. But it is. Um, so one last thing I want to ask you guys before we close out is what would be your number one advice for couples who are just starting out and just kind of kind of where I am, like either newly engaged, um, seriously dating or newly married? Mm -hmm. That's hard. Well, I thought of two things. I thought of one thing, yeah. Okay. So one thing I thought of was don't, don't keep score. Don't keep a checklist. Don't compare duties and who's doing what. And, you know, that just can turn into resentment so quickly. And uh, particularly for women, I think, and especially if you're staying home with kids, it's very easy to start to feel like you're doing all the things and it's thankless and it's endless. And, um, you know, that's just, I think that's just what the devil wants is to get us all focused on ourselves. So um, when we're keeping score, what it means is we're just thinking about what we're doing. <laughs> But when we wake up and think, okay, I am going to serve this man and love this family to the best of my ability and meet his needs first, and he's doing that for me, then both our needs are met and there isn't, it's not all muddled up with selfishness. Um, and then the other thing is to just um, prioritize your marriage over your children. So keep spending time, like keep dating each other, keep spending time. Um, make time for your sex life. Don't make the excuse like, well, now we have kids. And so we can't have sex anymore, you know? Um, and I mean, I, I am, I talk about that a lot, you know, you have me from marriage row because <laughs> I, I just think that the world sends this terribly destructive message that, uh, you know, once you get married, you stop having sex or sex is bad or whatever. And that women in particular, you know, will just lose interest. And that's that. Um, and I, I think like that's how you stop hearing each other. That's how you stop communicating when when you stop being willing to to come together. And it doesn't mean, you know, I totally fully understand that through babies and postpartum and all the things, like we're made very differently and we aren't gonna want to as often and it's not the same, but it's just so essential for because it's such a symbol of prioritizing one another. Like this is important. And, mm -hmm. um, and just knowing that like, like my, our kids know that our relationship is more important to each, to each of us than they are. <laughs> In the sense that they, they know they don't run the show, you know? Yeah. But they also know that they are the most important thing to us collectively. Right. In the sense that, our family, this air, this home that we're creating is the most important thing. It's more important than sports. It's more important than school activities. This dinner table, this family is the most important thing. And, and I think that works because they know we love each other so much. And there's no question of that in their mind. You know, they're not, it would never enter their mind that this would ever end. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> But what were you going to say? Uh, well, mine, mine was actually very simple. I was just oh. going to say, make sure you still kiss each other a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so key. So important. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, but yeah, yeah, that is a good point. That is a good point. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there's lots of other things you can do, you know. But you just it, it's, um, yeah. I guess if you remember that uh, the children, I mean, we know this theologically, right? The children are an emanation of your marriage uh, bond, you know. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the uh, when you start when the marriage bond suffers, I think parents tend to become uh, like child, or child focus on their, on their children. And, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, if you, if you focus on each other, then that your children feel more secure. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think it's just a happier household for everybody when the husband and wife are. Yeah. And again, it's I'm obviously everything she just but said. It's not, sorry. it's not neglect. You're not <laughs> yeah. like, Oh, I don't want to talk to you. I'm talking to yeah. your dad, but just, they know. So, for example, our sweet oldest, you know, Rihanna, who's now married with children, when she, because she was so much older than the other six, she, you know, she we made her go to bed uh, like too early. <laughs> no, she, well, she had to go to her room at nine o'clock, even when she was in high school, because we were exhausted. We had all these little people. And once the kids went to bed, I mean, she had a good two hours of our time because the kids went to bed early, but then we were like, we have got to have time together. You you can't sit out here with us till 10 o'clock because then we'll fall asleep and we won't be able to have any kind of conversation, you know? And mm-hmm. I've asked her since did that, was that frustrating? She's 28. Now. She's yeah. 28. And, and she said, no, she said, well, sometimes it was annoying she said, but I loved that you guys wanted to be together and that, you know, you wanted, and then she's doing the same thing with her girls where she's yeah, like, no, this is my, this is time with me and daddy and you aren't going to be here for that, you know, as opposed to, um, yeah, just that tendency to be like, oh, well, it's 11 o'clock and the kids are still up. I guess we're not going to talk like, no, <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> um, anyway, so, um, I do feel like one of the most beautiful, just most rewarding things is to see our daughter, because I do think of her as mine since, you know, I've been her mom for so long. I know I didn't make her, but to see her embrace the vocation of motherhood and the vocation of marriage and to do it with such joy and surrender to the Lord, given all the, the 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 crummy hands she was dealt and some of the things that she had to deal with and she has said to us multiple times it's because of this it's because of the security and the safety and the love that was shown to her through our marriage that made her believe marriage was possible and was good and was something she wanted and I just think it's so beautiful how redemptive that could be. Cause you know, that wasn't my experience. I didn't have an example. And, and yet the Lord's gifted me with this amazing man and this amazing marriage. And, and she could have gone the other way, right? She could have decided that like the path her mom took, which hasn't been good, you know, w- would be the better way to go. But there was something about the example of really just Christ-like love within the domestic church that's so healing and then allows her to you know step into that healing and then break that generational pattern and just so anyway i just think it's such a beautiful gift the gift of marriage yeah. and the oh domestic that's amazing yeah so so true and oh 
Just beautiful. I love that. And I'm so happy that she's having babies and yes. you guys are grandparents. That's amazing. I know. And they live like four minutes away. So it's really oh. yeah. That's the dream. Oh my gosh. It That's is. so good. It really is. Yeah. I just oh spent the morning with my three-year-old granddaughter today. It was magical. It's magical. Yeah. That is so cool. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys so much um, for sharing all of that. And I really appreciate it. Um, I've heard some of it before, but it was so nice to dive in deeper. Wow. So thank you. You're so um, and then if you guys wouldn't mind leading us in the prayer to Mary, Mother of Ferris Love, that would be awesome. All right. Just sorry, in the name of the Father, Our and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Mary, Mother of Ferris Love, you are, you are the Mother of Jesus and our Mother. Intercede for us with your Son, as you did at the wedding at Cana. Pray for us, Ferris Mother, to strengthen and bless our families. Help those called to marriage to find their spouses and teach them to love with a pure and selfless love. Accompany parents in the upbringing and education of their children with unconditional love. Help, Help those who have answered the Father's call to the consecrated life or to apostolic celibacy to be generous and faithful to their vocations. Bring peace, unity, and joy to the homes of families that are broken or burdened. Accompany with warmth of your presence those who are alone. You are the Mater Pulchroi Delectionis, the Mother of Beautiful Love. Help us to love as Jesus loves, so we may show each other full, love full of mercy and forgiveness. May all our love and affections be always faithful, pure, and chaste. Dear Mother, be our refuge in our material and spiritual needs, and intercede especially here for our intentions. Yeah, for our marriage. and Marriage of those listening. May we, we grow, grow in love and, and come, come to know true peace and joy now and in the life to come in heaven. Amen. As always, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of After Cana. If you enjoyed listening, share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review, or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.